0: This is the Servers Radio Network. Welcome to this edition of A Server's Journey with Rocky De Stefano. Thanks,
1: Larry. The premise of this show is that everyone is leading something or someone. In fact, the reality is every one of us is a leader and is being led. Whether you're a parent leading your family, a coach leading a team, a team member leading a few, or a CEO leading an organization, we are all on this path of being a leader, and we're all on it together, and that's the title of A
0: Server's Journey. You know, I've been listening to all that you've been saying, and I think it's starting to rub off. (laughs) Well, that's a good thing, Larry, for sure, but why don't you talk to us about what's on tap for this edition of A Server's Journey. We have one of your favorite episodes. All right. Epic moments in leadership. Yeah, I do love those. And I understand that uh, this one may be a little bit different again. Yes. It's going on the other side. (laughs) And good bosses, bad bosses again. It seems to be top of the list. We're hearing a lot about that. Yeah. And I know how well your story about your father was received. And I thought it would be nice if you would share another one of those great stories. And I believe we're going to hear the one about you and your kitty cat. Yeah, in fact, you know, the
1: crazy thing is I'm a softie for cats. Uh, I was never a cat person until I married my wife and became one by force. Um, And, in fact, we were just watching old home movies, and we were seeing our cat again. (laughs) Oh,
0: my. Well, I'm sure we've got a lot of listeners who can identify with this story about you and your cat. Absolutely. And it seems like everywhere I read something about Surviving a bad boss, and that's really a shame. Yeah, and so kind of on that topic
1: a little bit is, you know, we're pleased to announce that one of our former guests on the show, Isabella Senzamichi, has joined the Servers Journey team as our media and communications coordinator.
0: Well, she's not the bad boss either. (laughs) No,
1: she's the great team member who became a great boss and who now as the circle of the world works, is going to be coming back and helping us out. You know, she worked with us uh, in the Chick-fil-A store here in Claremont when she was in high school, and then she went off to FSU and graduated, and she's going to be heading up some of the creative work on our new website that is in production now. And I, I really can't wait to see how the new
0: website looks. Well, you know, I understand that we're partnering with ACS Creative in developing our new website. And yeah. I understand when it comes to creating a website, it pays to go to a pro instead of having those cheap things. Well, we've definitely learned the hard way.
1: There's limits as to what we could produce, and uh, it's time to get a
0: professional. Well, that's why we've gone to ACS Creative. You know, I understand they do logos, uh, brochures, direct mail, ad campaigns, and especially websites. With all the things it would take to build a good business and a podcast... And I understand they don't play games with your money. No, they were
1: a joy to work with, and actually still are a joy to work with, which is even more important to say. Um, And, you know, we'll be able to give you a lot more information um, on this as the website is developed, but we really want to thank ACS Creative uh, and that team there. They're
0: just a fantastic team. Oh, and by the way, you can contact ACS Creative on the Internet at ACS Creative. It's that simple. Absolutely. Check them out, guys. Epic, Epic moments, moments in, leadership. in leadership. Oh, I love when you do that. <laughs> I think this is what's going to be called failed moments in leadership.
1: Yeah, you know, and you're going to have some of these if you uh, if you uh, are in business long enough. You're going to fail at some things. But here's, here's one story where the biggest isn't always the best. And so we're going to talk about when Steve Case and Gerald Levin sketched out the AOL-Time Warner merger. Now, we're dating ourselves. Um, very few people, maybe, of the younger set might really know how powerful AOL was at one point. They've, of course,
0: heard of Time Warner, but AOL at one point was a powerhouse, for sure. Well, they were a giant in the Internet business. That's every, right. Everybody had to have AOL. That's right. And every movie had, you got mail. That's right. You know, In that fact, guy. there's a uh, movie...
1: A titled "You Got Mail," right? right? Which, which you guys should go back and uh, watch. It's a great movie. Tom Hanks. Right. Tom Hanks, and uh, I had a crush on the co-star, but I'm trying to remember her name.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm, I'm blah, It'll same. come
1: back to us, so. right? So, so, anyways, they they had they really these two guys were talking about. They had visions of a giant internet media service. Well, and so what happened? Well, in reality, the marriage was so far from easy both of them had huge staffs. In fact, there was over 85,000 people together between the two companies, and their cultures were just different. Um, it just didn't work, and honestly, they immediately had to lay off almost 2,000 staff members with many, many more to come, and it's become known as the biggest mistake in corporate history.
0: Wow, so don't think about being bigger being better.
1: Sometimes it's better to get better, and if you're get. And, and when you get better, bigger happens. Can you repeat that again? Yeah. People are always trying to get bigger, and I think if more companies focused on getting better, that
0: bigger inherently happens. Now, didn't Chick-fil-A go through a process of time like this, but they, they managed to get through it? Yeah. You, you know, in the early 80s... Um, I'm using Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A as an example, but yeah. this is a good example.
1: Yeah, you know, it's one of those rare moments. Um, Chick-fil-A's corporate policy came out of this period, a very, very dark period. Chick-fil-A, at that point, um, in the early 80s, everything they touched had been gold. They were How many
0: f- stores did they have? About 50,
1: and every one they opened was a success. Mm. So they wanted to grow. That's right. They said, make it bigger. And, of course, anything we open will work. So they actually tripled in size over a two-year period in 80 and 81 and 82, you know, right around that time period, what they found was suddenly they were opening stores that weren't really good. ooh, And their organization structure wasn't strong enough. And there was all these issues with how do you meet the demand now of a chain of 150. and Did they have the infrastructure set up? No, absolutely not. And so they, they really were in financial Uh, straits. They were really concerned that they weren't going to be able to make it as a company. So there's a great story about how they went away to try to, you know, one of those late hour meetings, they actually went away for a couple days to try to figure out how are we going to survive this financial disaster. Instead, Truett made this comment of, why don't we get better? And if we get better, bigger will happen. And then the other thing he said is, why don't we remind ourselves why we do this? And who was Truett? Truett Cathy was the founder of Chick-fil-A, and their corporate purpose is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of what they're entrusted with and to have a positive influence on people they come in contact with. And that purpose, mission statement, came out of that retreat, and uh, it's kind of guided them ever since.
0: So getting better
1: was getting bigger. Getting better allowed them to get bigger, yes. Wow. That's a great story. Absolutely. So, again, Larry, even with uh, Chick-fil-A and True Kathy or or AOL and Time Warner, the big question is what kind of leader are you going to be? Daddy, how long do kitties live for That was the question posed to me by my youngest daughter, Abby, age five, one day on the way home from church. The kitty in question was Toby, our lovable but eccentric pet. "'I don't know, sweetheart,' I answered. "'Cats can live as long as 20 years, but most only live for around 15.' A slight pause as she pondered this. "'Daddy, how old is Toby?' she countered. "'He'll be 15 this December, honey,' I said." another brief pause as Abby digested that, and then, Daddy, is Toby going to die soon? And there it was, the real question she had, and the only one I feared. I scrambled for an answer, thinking back to the day that Toby came home to live with us. My wife and I were still newlyweds, she 23 and I 25, living in a city far from our respective families. We were just two kids playing grown-up, still feeling our way around, and Toby, to me at least symbolized that we had indeed made it. He represented family in a weird way. It was just Tricia and I and Toby against the world. We practiced being responsible, even trying out parroting skills on him. He was our first awkward steps into being adults. I remember how he used to like to bite as a baby, so tough and rough, but how if it thundered, he would come running into our room to sleep with us. I remembered bringing him to Nana and Grandpa De Stefano's house so they could meet him. I remembered his first Christmas when we had presents wrapped under the tree for him, presents that foretold many Christmases to come when our real kids were born. And I remembered how much we loved him, real and deep and pure love. He was our family, but once the real kids came along, Toby slowly lost some of his shine in our eyes. We loved him still, for sure but only as one does with an old, once-loved toy from their youth. In our hearts, Toby was still there, but up on a faraway shelf, dusty and underappreciated like some velveteen rabbit. I don't know, baby, I answered. Toby is getting old, and we have to be ready at any point for him to go to heaven. Little Abby chewed on that for a while and said, Daddy, I think Toby's the most beautiful kitty in the world, and I want to take care of him so that he can live with us for a long time. This time, it was I that paused as I realized that to Abby and Madison and Ansley, Toby was still as special as he was to us before they were born. My mind quickly scanned the great memories and even the hardships of our family's lives, and I realized that Toby was present in all of them. I remember how he always pattered after the Easter eggs we hid for the kids, or how we always seemed to have at least one picture of him buried in the discarded Christmas wrapping paper. I remembered how my children love making him chase a flashlight beam, and how tender Ansley is with him, carrying him around the house like a baby doll, and Toby is always such a trooper, accepting every indignity without complaint. And I remembered that day before Ansley was born. The doctor's tests had come out bad, and they had diagnosed her with Downs. The well-meaning doctor saying, don't worry, the kind of Downs that she will have won't allow her to live very long. Toby and I rode many miles together in my Nissan, Toby laying in my lap while I thought and prayed to my God to protect my unborn daughter. Thinking through this, I decided that Toby really was part of our family and our fourth child and something to be cherished. Abby, baby, I said, Daddy thinks you're right. We should be very careful with him so that he can live with us as long as God allows. Abby smiled and quickly changed the conversation as only a five-year-old can do. But later that day, when no one was looking, I picked up my cat. It was the first time in a while, and I scratched him high up by his nose where he likes it. I carried him around the house like a baby doll. I even cleaned his litter box, washed, dried, and restocked it. And finally, I bought this new cat food that is supposed to be good for older cats and I threw out the old sheep stuff. I placed him by his food bowl, and I watched as he ate heartily from it. Eat, Toby, I thought. Strengthen yourself and live a long time. And then, even though I know you shouldn't pray for animals, I did just that. I asked God to keep him with us as long as he could allow. After all, I knew three young girls that needed and loved him postscript toby went to heaven in late april of 2008 and even though our new cat buckeye is now on the scene there is never a cat like the first one toby was my first christmas gift for trisha after we were married and he will always play a special part in our memories
0: hey rocky thanks for sharing your story about your kitty cat (laughs) I'm a softie. It's always good to get to know you better.
1: Well, you know, maybe I need to get some manlier stories. Maybe I'll I'll write something about a nature hike. or well, Even that wouldn't work. Maybe I need to do some, I don't know, great hunting excursion, or I dove off a cliff. Maybe
0: one of those stories. I don't think so. I think these are very good. And I'm looking forward to the next one. I understand you got another one. We do, yes. Okay. A couple more coming. Wow. What, what time do you write? When do you sit down and write these things? Do they just come to you, or have you been pondering the ideas and then you put them together? Or you have a very good way with words. I think um, it, it comes to me very slowly.
1: So I'm not a disciplined writer, so I think about a topic for a long time before I sit down and write. And I, I don't know that I have much more than a short story in me so far,
0: but uh, you know, it's something that I've definitely thought through for a while. Well, if you could put ten more stories together, then you'd have thirteen chapters yeah. and then we could put the book out.
1: We can have what was the, the you know, the famous book Chicken Soup for the Soul. We can maybe do Chicken Soup for the Servant Leader's Soul. How about that, Larry?
0: Very good, and if and if he's listening, we'll we'll cooperate with you. Yeah, Jack Jack Canfield, if he is, is I believe that was the author. I, I don't know him. I just know this. I know the series, so he did quite well. Hey, let's get down to some meat for today's program. What do okay. you think? Sure. It seems like bosses are getting bad raps today, but maybe they deserve it.
1: Yeah, you know, we we found this LinkedIn story, and it was really called How to Survive a Bad Boss. Mm -hmm. And what they were talking about is that bad bosses come in a variety of flavors. You have some that are never around, and this author calls them them ghosts, the kind that swoop in, make a mess, and fly off without offering you aid, and she calls them seagulls. And then, of course, you have the worst type, the incompetent manager.
0: Well, no, you know... When you say the ghost manager, when you say swoops in, makes a mess, and flies off, I have seen you in work, yeah. and, and you do <laughs> not – no, no, no. You do not do that. You pitch in. You, I understand, even climb in garbage cans when you need to. Oh, jeez, yes. You know, sorry to bring that up, but, yes. you know, you, you do things that help and not hinder. I, I try to add value. Most
1: of it, too, is just I'm um, a little bit ocd And uh, if I see something going on, I want to help. But, you know, I'm sure we all have uh, moments where we're ghosts or seagulls, but I don't think um, being that type of leader is good long term. No. So, Larry, talk a little bit about the author. Her name was
0: Mary Abajay. yes. What does she recommend? Well, she suggests that you sit down with your boss and ask them how they would prefer to be communicated to. Yeah, which is really good. There are priorities, you know. There might it might annoy them, but let them know at least that you want to work with them. Right. So this is kind of like not from the servantly. Well, it's being a servant to your to your employer.
1: Yeah, to well, your boss. And, and 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 here's the reality too. I don't think most managers want to be. A bad manager. I don't think most get up and say, "Hey, I want to be a jerk today." Sometimes they just don't know how they're coming across, and so it's really helpful. And it's been helpful for me when people have sat me down and and maybe shared with me something that was a weakness that I didn't even realize I was doing. You know, if you can clear the air and if you can get on the right foot, perhaps you can even salvage a relationship after all. And if not, it, it may be time to start looking for another assignment or another employer. But Jobs don't grow on trees, so it's always better, if possible,
0: to work with your employer and to try to establish a relationship. That would be a good idea. Donna Connor, who is a senior management uh, business consultant, focused on uh, Fortune 500 tech and wireless companies, she says, ghosts and seagulls are inc- and incompetence. This is what she had to say. About half of American workers have left a job to get away from a terrible boss, and that's really crazy. Yeah. Well, and sometimes it's a terrible boss and a terrible job
1: kind of mixed in together, so you can't minimize those. Sometimes it's hard to be a boss in certain jobs because it's just a terrible job, and, and, they, and those do exist. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, again, that's a staggering number when you think about half.
0: Who, was, who, was, who did that, that TV show, The, the Bad, bad oh, yeah. Jobs? Or, Mike, Mike Rowe, yeah. Dirty Jobs. But, but he found that people love their jobs. That's right. You know, so they're, you're not selling chicken, but you're cleaning
1: whatever. <laughs> well, here's another staggering stat, too. It says that only 21% of workers think that their performance is managed in a way that motivates them to do an outstanding job. Um, and that's according to Gallup's 2017 State of the American Workplace. That, that's pretty shocking that only not even a quarter of the team um, in, in this country feel like they're being
0: motivated to do great work. And you, you've quoted this statistic before, close to it, a full-time worker will spend more than 2,000 hours at work every year. Yes. So having a bad boss has an immense impact on your overall well-being and happiness. And it could even lead to PTSD. That
1: would be bad. Yeah, you know, it's amazing to me because if you've been in a situation, if you've ever been in a job where you're managed through fear or you're managed through tactics that aren't very healthy for your human psyche, um, absolutely, you can come come out of that job almost suffering from, you know, symptoms that are similar to PTSD, Mm -hmm. which is a scary situation for sure. But, you know work it's a lot of who we are and a lot of people get their perception of 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 their being through what work. they're able to offer so you know doesn't seem too big of a stretch that being under a terrible boss could really impact
0: you mentally well talking about let's talk about being a good boss
1: Okay, let's do well, that. What
0: are some areas that make for being a good boss? What are I know you have three different points. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about this. Uh, three areas that can make you a good boss, and
1: you know we've talked about some of these uh, things before, but it's always good to remember. And so we kind of call them the knows here.
0: Yeah, right? I, I think it's know who they who you
1: are, who who they are, who they are, right? Know who they impact,
0: right? And then the final one would be know the score. S- score. Yeah. So. You, as a boss, need to know your your uh, employees. Yeah, and you want to know them. Uh, you know,
1: intimately always sounds kind of gross, but I don't mean it that way. What I mean is you have to know uh, who they are. And, you know, we, we tell the story about I had a team member who um, had worked really, really hard, very bright young woman, had achieved everything, had worked her way through college, and Chick-fil-A was the, you know— school-time job where it was flexible, but she could make enough money to pay her bills. And she worked like crazy to achieve her goal, um, career. Mm-hmm. And then about two years in, she came back and said, hey, can we grab lunch? And we sat down, and she shared with me that she was wanting to come back and work with Chick-fil-A, which was really shocking to me because I knew how hard she had worked to get this career. Mm-hmm. So... What happened? Well, I you know, I asked her... And I'm always concerned when people want to make a dramatic switch like that. So I asked her, hey, where is this coming from? Because, you know, maybe you're going through something. And if you're going through something, it may not be about where you're working. It might just be something you're going through in life. And switching jobs, it might change the geography, but it doesn't really change the problem. So I was trying to figure out maybe what she was going through. But she told me that she loved the career, but she hated where she worked. Why would that be? So she didn't know at first. She was having a lot of issues with coming to grips with this thing that she had always wanted. Why was she not feeling fulfilled? And she said it dawned on her that after the birth of her first child, she had left to take maternity leave. So she's gone for six, seven weeks, comes back, and she said not one single person in leadership or on the staff asked anything about her daughter the name how the daughter was doing mm-hmm. nothing it was just like radio silence here. wow and she left because she was not known now thankfully she was able to find another another place in the same career and she's happily ever after now, but it still it shows how important it is
0: to be known. So you, as an employer, you can ask kind of like personal questions after they're working for That's you, right. right? Well, once I mean, you you know, of course, you have to be careful.
1: There are some questions you can't ask. Well, right? no, yeah. but but how's the family? What? That's right. Oh. Yeah, once they're hired, they're no longer being interviewed. They've been given the job. It's okay to get to know them and their kids and their kids' likes and their hobbies and you know is their daughter a dancer or are they you know in the sports this is normal stuff that you want to share with people and anybody who has kids you can't imagine not being asked about your family
0: right okay so one out of the three areas that we would want to be a good boss knowing who the employees are second larry uh, would be the is knowing the impact the impact yeah. yeah
1: So what do we mean by that, Larry? Well, I'm not sure. You're going to have to tell me. <laughs> See, this is the one I was t- setting Larry up because he does know this one. In fact, he's uh, uh, probably a little bit better versed at this than, than I am. But, you know, the idea is that people need to know, they need to know the connection between what they're doing, and they need to know that it impacts somebody or a group of somebodies. And if it if they don't, it they can die, you know, they can emotionally die inside.
0: Doesn't and that makes sense? Yes, and you don't want them to do that. No, of course not. Where were we just talking about empowering an employee, yeah. that they would be able to do something so they can impact the whole company? That's right. Well, and if, if for instance,
1: um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, mission statements, and mission statements are great things, um, and sometimes they don't really... Ha, seem to have anything to do with what you do. You know, at Chick Fil A, we we cook food, so you know we give you chicken, you give us money, and we take the money and we make profit. It's kind of like a hostage situation, but at the end, you don't get a your loved one back. You get a you get a delicious chicken sandwich. Yes, but, you
0: do. But this is what Chick Fil A went through, right? That's
1: right. Well, that's what we do, but you know that doesn't seem to move the needle. You know, it didn't really share with the team, this is how you're impacting people. And so that was really how Chick-fil-A came up with their um, mission, the mission statement, Yeah, which was to glorify God by being a faithful steward of what we've been given and have a positive influence on people. Those two things seem to resonate with people, and they don't talk at all about profit or
0: food. Wow. You know. If you can get your needle above the profit and loss and yeah. and get up the impacting people. Yeah, you know, profit and loss is never going to be a long term motivator for people. And yeah. impacting people, your your team members and your guests. Right. There well, there's two different levels there. You know who who does a great job at this too, Larry? And and I'm
1: a huge fan. In fact, my daughter just bought a car from this company and I am telling you she was motivated by their commercials, which are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And that's Subaru. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Subaru, what what their MO is with their commercials is they have this super, super melancholy, sappy song, and they have these scenes of a flashback. In fact, one of my favorite one um, has a father cleaning out an old Subaru. And as he's cleaning out the car, we don't know why he's cleaning out the car, this really beautiful song is is playing that's talking about time and the passage of time, and he keeps finding these things, and then they show a flashback of where when that got put in the car, and one is um, a, a hospital ID bracelet, and he remembers when his daughter broke her arm, and so there's a flashback to a scene of a little girl with her arm broken, and them coming home from the hospital, and then there was another where there's a dried flower, and it's a flashback to her high school prom. And then there's another one. And then all of a sudden, the commercial is coming to an end. The daughter walks out fully grown, almost 16, 17. And he's handing her the keys to the Subaru. And waiting in the wings is another beautiful new Subaru. (laughs) And, you know, it's amazing to me that I almost cry every time I watch that commercial. You are a sap. I am a sap. (laughs) but, But you know what it does is it connects what they do uh, you know, it's reminding not only us who's who's buying the car, but it, it's reminding their their team, their internal customers, right? Subaru's team members have to understand that when they're building that car, they're not just putting brake pads on this automobile. They are providing a way for parents to drive their kids to all these amazing life events. So, they do one of the best, single best jobs at telling their internal team, their employees, how they're impacting people with their product.
0: So, did your daughter say when she got the car that she's getting the car now and planning on giving it to her children? She didn't, but we did talk about how she's only 22. We did
1: talk about how she will definitely have that car. When she has her do, you know, when she has her first child, um, because Subarus last, uh, you know, a long time. But you know, again, it, it it's sappy, it's it's simple, but it works because Subaru is doing a great job of telling us this is the impact we can have on your life.
0: This was an unsolicited. Commercial. That's right, Subaru. If you do,
1: however, want to be a paid endorser, <laughs> we'll be happy to take your money. But okay, anyways. And then,
0: Larry, what's the last? One? Well, knowing who who they are. Knowing how an employee has an impact, but you also have to know, the employee has to know how, what the score is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, speaking of scores, you know, uh, there was a football game a couple of years, was it last year? The Alabama... Yeah. Um,
1: Georgia game. Yeah, we talked about this at a different episode where we talked about how 28 million, million people
0: yeah, were watching watch this game because yeah. they wanted to know the score. That's right. Everybody yeah. watching a sporting event wants to know the score. There has yeah. got to be a score. And just like that at work, there's got to be a score. Right. and And a score can be
1: something really simple, too. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. You don't have to really think, you know, too in-depth or work really hard at creating this elaborate, you know... You know, XY axis with this is the win. It could be something as simple, and really it could be internally motivated. What do you do on the drive through? Yeah. So, you know, drive through, we, we look at how many smiles can we get over the next two hours? Because, you know, people, listen, they're coming through a drive through. They're super, super um, in a hurry. I mean, you, you don't stay in your car and, and buy food if you're not in a hurry, you're going somewhere. Um, you know, a lot of times they're agitated because they're maybe their day hasn't worked quite at what, how they thought it would. Maybe they waited a little bit longer in the line than they wanted to. And so sometimes they come up and they're not exactly joyful and, hey, how you doing? You know, so our job and, and really how we can tell if we if we win is by seeing how many people we can get to smile before they leave that window. Wow, and and that's a great goal, and it's a fun thing to do, and you know, you but you only creative. give them
0: ten seconds at the window. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So we we do get a little bit crazy sometimes, and, and we make uh, jokes and we try to laugh with them, and you know, anything we can do. But but you know, all around your your place of business, your work environment, th- there's all type of little measurements that you can help your team understand you know and it could be something if you're OCD it could be that hey does every label face out okay that's a win you know i mean if you're an OCD person that's a win that's know? a me that's right yeah so you know it it's really trying you know knowing the score it doesn't have to be the Alabama Georgia national championship with 28 million people watching it could be something as simple as daily interactions with their customers wow
0: okay so knowing the score knowing how they impact can be impacted and knowing who they are yeah. are important things for a boss. Okay, to let's know. go
1: through that again. Knowing who they are. So mm-hmm. that's as a boss, that's on me. I have to know who they are. Knowing who they impact, that's kind of on me and also on them because I've got to paint a picture of this is what you're really impacting. It's not just about this. Mm-hmm. And then the last is knowing the score. And that can be, I can set it for them A lot of times they'll come to me and they say, hey, I made this many people happy today. I didn't even give them the goal, but they were looking for a way to measure success. And that's really it, Larry. That's pretty simple. Wow. Okay. Uh, What a show. (laughs) Yes, that worked out pretty well, I think.
0: Yeah. um, I want to thank you for joining us here on A Server's Journey. You know, remember to subscribe to the podcast and you'll be able to hear more of what Rocky wants to share. With you to be a good leader, learning t- to lead by serving—that S- seems so. So, uh, what is it? Un-American? Lead by serving? <laughs> you know, it's—it's it's not serving is not always uh, a very well uh, desired trait, but it is the right thing to do. And you know, if you subscribe to the podcast, you'll be getting a server's journey moment here on Tuesdays. So, if you like what you hear here tell a friend and if like us and share us and on facebook leave a comment at the bottom of the uh, podcast we'd we'd love to hear from you fact is um oh when the new website comes out you'll be able to even communicate with us even more and as i mentioned earlier our website's going into overdrive and we want to thank acs creative thank you guys you creative geniuses you so until next time uh i'm forever your faithful companion Larry. Yeah, we are hand solo and Chewbacca behind the microphones here. You betcha. Hey,
1: we want to ask you guys to do us a favor, too. We really want you to grab these shows and share them with your friends. We had the uh, uh, honor to speak at an event um, not too long ago, uh, one of my first real speaking engagements, and Larry was you there. You did an excellent job. By well, the way. we both, Larry, actually did, a, did an excellent job, and I think it was one of those otherworldly moments where somehow we walked on stage and we woke up 40 minutes later and people were clapping and we don't know really how that happened but something descended whether it be the holy spirit or some kind of uh i I, I don't know what it was some some sort of harry potter potion we're not sure but no, no it was more than that but it worked and here's what we came back with afterwards i was interacting with a lot of the people who had just uh Taking part in this presentation, I was shocked at the number of tears. But what that tells me is this is a topic that's important, which has always been our premise. We're not just doing this because we want to waste time every week. And honestly, we might never make a dime off this, and we're okay either way. But we believe that this message has to be shared. Has to be shared. Because, again, 10% of the workforce, 21 years and older, report that they're clinically depressed. And some people say it's even worse with those 21 and under. There's an epidemic of hopelessness in our society. And when we're spending almost one-third of our life at work, we deserve, and it is our distinct honor to serve people. And maybe maybe help some of those people that are feeling depressed to feel worth and valued. This is an important message, and we always say this, we are all on a journey, and it's how we serve that's important, and that's why every week, Larry and I drag ourselves here, we make time out of our week to do this thing we call a server's journey. So I'm Rocky DeStefano, I want to thank you for joining us, and Together, we are going to become better leaders because the world needs better leaders.